so sick of movies right now. It's default to do a movie podcast just because it takes like six hours to watch a series. And I got like research. And then even at the end, I'm like, did, did we, we see all the best all episodes? The best Is there a secret hidden chestnut in there? And that's why we're doing Murphy Brown the movie and not the show. <laughs> Can I close people now? I guess it doesn't Optimus matter. Optimus Prime dies in that, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. But he comes back as Jim Dial, lead anchor of FYI, the info news mm-hmm. on Murphy Brown. A lot of people well, don't know it's a shared universe. Yeah. Marvel stole it from them. <laughs> the character of Murphy Brown. Eldon is both a painter and a transformer. He turns into a little dune buggy. A lot of references happening right now. <laughs> All right. So I don't know what we're talking about. Well, we were just talking about Transformers and Murphy Brown, both of which are not topics for this thing. No, no, no. Keep that. I want... (laughs) What just happened? What was that? I didn't even say anything like happy birthday. I just said Murphy Brown. Is that Murphy Brown, Transformers, Dune Buggy, podcast? Happy birthday. Podcast? Did you push something? Happy birthday. Did you push something? No, I didn't touch nothing. That was weird. I feel like two old men who like uh, having our first Zoom meeting. So, no, you got to Your face just turn to the left. Yeah. You don't have to be so close to the camera. Can you hear me? <laughs> Why did that happen? Why did Anyway, my point is don't cut any of this. I want the Murphy Brown Transformers content. If anyone's going to get that, it's hard. It's going to be these people who are listening to this fucking podcast. You know what I realized? <laughs> Sorry. First of all, welcome to your inner child's an idiot, the podcast. Um, oh, we'll right. I was supposed childhood. to do that. And see if they're any good to begin with. My name's DJ. I'm Damon. Hi. What an intro. pointed out to me that our new concept where one of us knows what we're about to talk about and the other doesn't is only good for a little bit because the audience knows what we're talking about because they clicked on the episode. So It's a dramatic irony. They just want to watch you squirm. What we should do is like, I should take over your TV. You sit down at your TV at like 730 and then all of a sudden a movie starts and you don't know what's going on. Is this a Saw film? I don't want to watch that. (laughs) No, it's always Nell is the weird thing. Every episode we're going to be doing from here on out is Nell. Oh, man. That has to be a video episode because I want people to see your face while you watch that. You built it up too much at this point. What are we talking about? Thank you for asking. Am I supposed to lead you on with a bunch of shit? Yeah, this is your show, man. You tell me. So our 200th episode is either just about to happen or has happened. I am lost in time. I am adrift in the seas of chronology, and I don't know when this episode will be airing. But this is my concession that we won't be watching this for our 200th episode okay. because I'm going to force it on you. I'm going to use all my executive power right okay. now. To force you to watch one of the most notorious box office flops for all time. Always a footnote in Bruce Willis's career, usually at his expense. We are going to be watching the 1990 action comedy Sixth Sense. That kid was funny. (laughs) What a stitch. No, we're going to be watching. We're going to be watching Hudson Hawk. Okay. What do you know about this film at all? I know that you owned it on Doi Doi and that mm-hmm. you enjoyed it. And that that alone did not lead me to ever watch it. So I know Bruce Willis is in it. I like that. I know you like it. 
Mm-hmm. I believe your brother also likes it. Oh, we've had- My brother introduced sure. me to Hudson Hawk via him. Is this pre Die Hard? So oh, it doesn't I- even meet the level of V for Vendetta, which you watched based on my review, which was, quote, it's fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> so it didn't meet that criteria. You weren't you curious weren't, enough, like, you weren't huh. as effusive. <laughs> True. Or at least <laughs> I didn't is. say I didn't like drop an yeah. F bomb to review it. Which even looking back now, I'm like, I mean, I like V for Vendetta. I don't know if I would just curse randomly for it. You're usually so withholding with your curse words. So mm-hmm. <laughs> So Hudson Hawk, it is much maligned. It was a box office bomb at the time. It must have been pretty expensive because usually no one gives a shit of just some indie comedy yeah. bombs. They like it when something that goes kablooey bluey tanks the box office. <laughs> Yeah, my brother introduced me to it. I don't know how he fell into it, but at some point he roped me into it. The bad kids at the mall smoking cigarettes. (laughs) Handing out Hudson Hawk DVDs in the back. Hey, hey, you want a VHS? You want a VHS of Waterworld? Your first box office bomb is free. (laughs) That's how they get you. They're always handing out expensive box office bombs to lure kids in. The sad thing is some of those guys, they start watching the VHSs themselves and then they're not selling anything. They're just losing VHSs. It's sad, really. They've just got the boxes. <laughs> just got, I, I'm going to use this for something. So I love this movie. It has Bruce Willis. It has Danny Aiello, Sandra Bernhardt, Richard E. Grant, James Coburn. You probably remember him from his greatest film, Sister Act 2. It also has David Caruso, a pre-NYPD blue David Caruso, and the guy who played Chip Shrek from Batman That's Returns. Watch. Dad, go! Oh, Dad, go! <laughs> I hope we get, do we get anything like that? I hope we get some quotable. Oh, he has some great quotes and one particularly very problematic quote. Good. And I can't wait to get to that and unpack that with you. Is this before Die Hard or after Die Hard? This is after Die Hard. This is 1993, I want to say. So this is post Die Hard and its younger sibling, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. So it was kind of surprising that it was a flop then, just because like at this point, Bruce Willis was at the height. Yeah, and it's it's like the beginning of like a low point in Bruce Willis's career before he came back into everyone's good graces with the whole 10 yards. (laughs) They skipped the first one. Like, show me the second one. Fuck Armageddon. Fuck the whole nine yards. I want Kevin Pollack, Matthew Perry, and Bruce Willis. I need the trio. Not interested otherwise. I don't know. This is a very, I mean, it's a very silly movie. I remember talking with a friend of mine who is a film critic for our local artsy fartsy paper. And he was saying, if this movie had come out maybe 10 or even five years later, it probably would have hit the Mm. right audience. But I think it was at an awkward time in our action Jackson period where no one wants to see a Looney Tunes-like action movie. I think you will love it. I know you were trepidatious. You definitely didn't want it to be our 200th episode. But I think it'll be right up your alley. And I can almost guarantee within the first 10 seconds, there will be a joke that makes you laugh. All right. We're going to watch Hudson Hawk somewhere. Also, it predicts the Da Vinci Code. I just want to say oh. that. It was the Da Vinci Code before the Da Vinci Code. Like the twist? I mean, it's not really a twist. I mean, it, it opens in Da Vinci's castle as he's adding secrets to his great masterworks. Oh, and they're like, the Holy Grail. And Dan Brown was like, I know, if this movie tanks, I'm stealing all of this. <laughs> he was the only guy in the theater. <laughs> he looked around, he's like... He looked around, he's like, I think I can do this. This plus super short chapters is my recipe for <laughs> 
That's American bestseller. That's the recipe for American bestseller. You're going to watch Hudson Hawk. Watch along with us. We'll be back after this. Ray. So. Oh, you got a Schneider. Oh, yeah. This is a Schneider house. <laughs> a lot of people think Bic is the only game in town, but no. It's not when look- Schneider's here. Slider Rave XB? That's some <laughs> sweet-ass penage. You probably look at me and think Uniball. <laughs> Wouldn't be caught dead. <laughs> okay. Can't name any other pen companies, if I'm being honest. Sharpie, I guess. Sharpie makes Sharpie makes a pretty sweet ballpoint pen, if I'm being honest. Did you say Bic? I did. That was my first one. Come on. What is this? Fucking amateur hour? What's the pa- paper? Paper mate. Paper mate. Paper mate. Why do we hate? Why do we hate paper mate? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've never been here before. This is good practice for our live show. <laughs> before we get on with the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold on. I just punched the microphone for no reason. Before that, let that be a threat to you, listener. Whoa. Before we get on with the show. I need to tell you that we have a survey. If you made it this far into the episode, you're in the middle now, and uh, you're in it. No getting out of it. No turnsy backsies. You are in the episode. By law, you have to finish this episode. <laughs> There's going to be a link in our show notes. If you could go down there and answer a few questions, that's going to help us make better things for you and connect with better advertisers and all that kind of stuff that we're going to be doing in the coming months and, and years. So if you would please fill that out when you get a second, it'll be real quick, real painless, and don't make me punch this microphone again. Oh, he'll do it. I've seen him do it. And you know what else? If you really like the show... That's, uh-huh. that's something you can do just a couple seconds, no big deal. But if you really like the show, like, do you really, really like the show? Like, Patri- like, like. Like, 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 like. Yeah. Yes, no. No maybe. Don't write maybe on nope. the box. No. Yes or no. We don't want you maybes. If you you got to be checking yes. And mm-hmm. then I want you to go to patreon.com slash idiot and you can support the show there. At a bunch of different levels, you can get extra episodes. You can get some extra perks and live streams and fun stuff. So come over there, and either way, fill out the survey. But additionally, also you can you also become to. a patron. Yeah. That's <sighs> I don't know why this is. <laughs> why are you so why flop am I sweaty? So much trouble. I'm like fucking Nixon over here. <laughs> is it because they say a lot of slurs in this movie, and you're you have to defend it? <laughs> uh, no, Nixon would never sweat over slurs. That's true. He's like, I said what I said. We are back. We watched Hudson Hawk for some reason, and we are back to talk about it. For great reasons. What year was it made? You looked it up. 1993? Come on. Come on. I mean, the movie takes place in 1991, mostly. Does it? Well, the first thing, I thought said 1481, but then you said... And then it said 500 years later. Oh, uh-huh. And so I thought it was 1981 in the movie. And then you're like, no, it's 1991, which made a lot more sense because he's like, I didn't get to see E.T. And I was like, well, that hasn't come <laughs> out yet. That comes out in 1982. Famously. We all haven't seen E.T. If because that's famously, case. that's also the year I was born. Of course. So it just checks out. No, I think it takes, I mean, whatever, it's the present, whatever it is. The 90s present. The yeah. 90s present. Yeah. Italy's still using the lira. The EU isn't finalized yet. Yeah. They haven't got a flag, at least. Or a currency. 
Yeah, that, those are the two big ones that you'll want to focus Nintendo. on. Nintendo is within the range of somewhat new, so that if you were in prison for about 15 years, you may not you know what it know. was. You wouldn't know what's Nintendo. Mm-hmm, you might say that. And was the guy that played Nintendo and very briefly the Pope, was, he seemed like he was trying to do John Paul II. Yeah, he was totally JP too. He was yeah. no Benedict the Sixteenth. No, no, sir. He was certainly God. not uh, whatever the fucking guy is now. Francis, Francis, Francis the First. Come on. Yeah, it's like we haven't been the hosting first. A- Francis the First. I can't believe this is the first Francis. Well, he's our first. What, first what's official? What's papal, a Jesuit, papal Francis. Jesuit Franciscan motherfucker. Yeah, this isn't a papal podcast. Let's talk about Hudson Hawk. Okay. Am I supposed to recap it because it was my movie? I think I'm going to need you to recap this movie. I'm going to put a timer on it. Ready? Go. All right. Hudson Hawk is a cat burglar, famous cat burglar, who is just getting out of prison when he is immediately, I mean, literally while he's being walked out of the prison, prison hired for a job to steal a model of a horse that was once made by Leonardo da Vinci. He does so and gets roped into international intrigue where people are trying to collect Leonardo da Vinci art pieces to obtain objects that are hidden inside of them that will help a gold machine function. Still in recap. Mode. I know, but I just want I've to say- I've never interrupted a recap of <laughs> They would normally call it a MacGuffin, but because it was da Vinci, they called it a MacGuffin. <laughs> All right. And- Worth it. Totally. <laughs> These billionaires are trying to make him steal it because they want to crash the world economy. The CIA is involved, possibly double-crossing the billionaires, but also possibly working with the billionaires. MTVIA. Bingo. And also there's a damn mysterious Vatican organization. You're going to get that later. (laughs) And they're also involved trying to keep tabs on what the... Mayflowers are doing. Those are the billionaires. Eventually, though, the Mayflowers get the three pieces of the crystal that'll make the machine work, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, gold mm -hmm. machine. But wouldn't you know it, things go wrong. They get covered in molten lead and Hudson Hawk saves the day. That was pretty good. And I know that didn't make any sense if you haven't seen this movie. It still doesn't make sense. And I did see the movie. (laughs) But that seems right. It's absolutely correct. What does the, the actual machine do? Turns anything into gold? The goal that Leonardo da Vinci had that we see in the prologue scene is that he was trying to find a way to create bronze because bronze had become scarce and he accidentally creates an alchemy machine and finds a machine that would create gold. He realizes that this is perilous and he hides the three parts of the crystal that make it work in his art pieces. Interesting. I like that he... If he had done his goal, that why would that have been... It would have been like a little bit less perilous, but like bronze is also valuable... Right, he wanted to make it out of bronze for some reason. Bronze yeah. isn't a, is it a semi-precious metal? I don't know. <laughs> it's an all right precious I realize metal. I started talking about bronze as if I know anything about it. has an age associated with it. That's yeah, got to be something. That's something. It disinfects itself. It's uh, it? antimicrobial or is something. Is that true? I feel like is it is. Is that why they make the metals out of it? It's if you have a, no, that's brass. I'm thinking of brass. <laughs> Here's a fun fact that I just realized. I don't know the difference between brass <laughs> and bronze, and that's a fact. The fact is that you don't know it. The fact but is that I don't, don't know You don't know it. facts about them. That's the fact. So and you're in third place, they give you bronze. I assume it's somewhat rare. I know silver is somewhat rare. Right. They're not just throwing brass at you. It does seem like a weird jump down. Like gold, yeah. ooh, silver, mm, bronze seems like, oh, okay. 
It's like frankincense, myrrh, and then gold. Well, yeah, no one wants gold. Everyone wants frankincense and myrrh. Yeah, exactly. The, the perfumey ones. I'm sure you've got thoughts. Yeah, I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts about this cast. Let's talk about it. We got Danny Aiello, Andy McD. Andy McDowell, yep. The notorious R.E.B. R.E.G. <laughs> the notorious R.E.G. Richard E. Grant. Yep. We Fan got of frat boys everywhere. Sandra Bernhardt. David Caruso, barely. He's very he doesn't smart. talk, so you don't have to pay him as much. Frank Stallone. You got to cut corners somewhere. James Coburn. Yep. Did I say that name right? That's right. Coburn. Coburn. And last but certainly not least, Max Shrek. Zangief. <laughs> played by... What is this fucker's name? Sean Sean John Mulaney. Sean Mulaney Gildenstein. So you don't know his name I at don't. all. Okay. I just didn't know if you were trying to circle the drain of his name. It's Mac. Mac, Mac the knife. Max Shrek. Son. Is he Max Shrek? Wait, no, Max Shrek. We have Shrek two holdovers the... from Batman Returns. We have, of course, Chip Shrek. Chip Shrek. And the we third have... Chipmunk movie. <laughs> And we have Daniel Waters, who was the screenwriter for Batman Returns, and the screenwriter for Heathers, for Heathers, and for something else we watched that I can't remember now, and for this. You said this twice, but that's three <laughs> three things. Correct. So he was the screenwriter, but story by Bruce Willis mm. and mm -hmm. owner of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft. I don't know who Robert Kraft is. I mean, I know who, well, I was about to say I know who a New England Patriots owner, Robert Kraft is, but only The barely. scandal. Sex scandal. Uh, so I learned a little bit about this in my vast amount of research that I did mm -hmm, post mm -hmm. this movie, aka read the trivia, trivia for section. like five seconds yeah. and, and clicked on the Wikipedia article and was like, I'm not going to read this. <laughs> but Robert Kraft, this is not the owner of, the, his name is Robert Kraft, but he is not the owner of the New England Patriots. He's the heir to the Kraft cheese fortune. <laughs> yes. No, he is someone who was at a bar. He's just like a songwriter, singer, songwriter. And he was at a bar. And then all of a sudden there was a guy on stage playing harmonica. And it was uh, Bruce Willis, who was at the time a bartender and aspiring actor. Uh-huh. And then later, of course. But they became fast friends. And I guess they are palling around. I did notice that Robert Kraft is listed as also involved in the music as well. Yes. And Bruce Willis, I believe, as well. <sighs> and so they had this story. Robert Kraft came up with the idea of a song called Hudson Hawk, and Bruce Willis was like, no, no, man. A man. A, a man A called. movie and, a, and also a man. And also maybe a song, if I get it. And a song, it. too, based around the, yeah. So this is Bruce Willis's first, only last screenwriting Is that true? Situation. I never actually checked I'm, on his I'm screenwriting credits. pretty sure. Okay. And, but he got a story He didn't write credit. the whole 10 yards? What about the whole nine yards? So the fact that you're disparaging the whole nine yards... Uh-huh. The, the whole 10 yards. The memory of Matthew Perry. And Kevin Pollock in old age makeup. And Bruce Willis is unwell. He's retired uh -huh. from acting. True, true. And you're a fucking monster is what I'm saying. <laughs> I liked the whole nine yards. I'm not convinced that it's going to hold up though, so maybe we should watch that at some point. <laughs> and maybe the whole 10 yards. Do you notice that they upped it by one? Yeah. Even though the whole 10 yards isn't a phrase. It's not a phrase. But whole nine yards is. But it's the sequel to Whole Nine Yards. Since I brought it up. Ten yards. And I just want to be a fucking bummer. We got to talk about just Bruce Willis for a okay. second. So Bruce Willis has now retired up from acting because he has, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a, a form of dementia, right? Like he, yeah. he can't. And there was, it's crazy because there was like rumors 
for years that that's why he was he was like kind of being I don't know taken advantage of or convinced to do these really bad movies because he he has a run of really bad movies the last what like 10 years or so cop story Kevin Smith's cop story he was in that remake of Death Wish a few years ago Eli Roth did a remake of Death Mm -hmm. Wish he was in the Expendables, but I think one of the Expendables and only for a scene. He's like, I'm going to give you your yeah. task and now I'm out of here. And I think the former dementia he had, it started by he couldn't read scripts. He had to sort of yeah. be fed his lines yeah. and he had to there sort was a of rumor repeat that, yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And I think you're also not counting there were like a bunch of whatever today's equivalent of direct-to-video <laughs> movies that he also well, wasn't like. Wasn't there one where they were like duplicates where everyone had a double had like a doppelganger in the world and your doppelganger was reading, leading a really nice life. And then all these like, are you talking about the JK Simmons show counterpart? No, this is a <laughs> Bruce Willis movie. Okay. Trust me on this. No, I, I don't have my phone in here or I'd be proving you wrong. <laughs> Mine is recording video right now. So yes, it is very sad about Bruce Willis. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge the elephant in the room and then we can move on. But okay. It sucks. He was a yes. wonderful actor of a generation, and, and that sucks. He's also a Trump voter, Trump supporter. Okay, well, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me, one second. <laughs> and that's the show. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so I don't even know where to start with this movie. So this is... And I don't know. I'm so silent. I don't even know what to do myself. I'm ready to be defensive. Go. Okay, well, <laughs> listener, if you haven't seen this movie... I know some of you like to watch along, and a lot of you are just like, I'm here for what these boys have to say. This movie is madcap. Mm-hmm. It's zany. Mm-hmm. It is as... Fast-paced. Tyler said it perfectly. This is camp. I did not know much about this movie. I certainly didn't know it was this wacky. So it is hard to kind of pin down exactly what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But the tone is all over the place. And it's sort of like... It's borderline Looney Tunes. It is. It is whatever you're picturing right now, if you haven't seen this, it's zanier than that. (laughs) I feel like a good... This might be a terrible example for an audio format, but there's a scene where one of our many bad guys reveals himself to be a bad guy and Bruce Willis rushes to choke him and is frozen in... He sort of freezes himself because about five or six goons like point guns at his face. And then he just sort of laughs it off while straight out froze it. Like a very Looney Tunes, very Bugs Bunny. Wacky. When there's even a scene where he later he's fighting James Coburn's character, who was apparently formerly a very skilled fighter, but now getting old. Mm -hmm. So he's beating the shit out of Bruce Willis, but then his back hurts or something like that. But at one point he's kicking him forward, kicking him back, kicking yeah. him forward. And then he stops and Bruce Willis keeps going. Ooh, uh, ooh, yeah. Back and uh. forth in a loop. It's and then he drops his like, hat at one point, his hat falls off while he's being knocked back and forth. And he goes, Oh my hat, which is also a very yeah. bugs bends bunny over situation. Coburn's character flies, kick, does it like a flying kick. Does like through a the Ninja air. Turtles. If you hit a B in the same time yeah. on the arcade game, you go do that thing. That's what he does. Stop doing this. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop doing it. You know that feeling when you're watching a movie that you love and you can start to feel like the air start to deflate out of the proverbial tire in the room? That was the feeling Did when I was like, like, oh, this is a lot more madcap. I've become like sort of immunized to the madcapness. Yeah. But now I'm watching it with fresh eyes and I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? 
what have I brought upon these people? Did the heat like come up the back of your neck? I didn't like, get I that bad because okay. I was genuinely having a great time because I still love the movie. So I was like, <laughs> fuck these guys. But <laughs> but every time Tyler laughed, I held on to it like a life preserver. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's still watching. He's, and you never picked up, leave me. you never went full Christmas story when you were like, when we watched Christmas story, you just had your phone up for a long stretch. I was like, he's like reading the news. Like he, <laughs> he didn't, I mean, we didn't get that bad. So I feel like it, it still kept its hooks in you, even if you weren't like, oh, yeah. I'm loving this. Yeah. I mean, TSOP is a good measurement for the boring engagedness of a movie, mm-hmm. you know, time spent on phone. TSOP. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. But that abbreviation we all it's know. It's not the use. only metric. No, you're absolutely right. So I watched a handful of movies though with you and I know what to look out that's for. That's true. Yeah. But you don't do that much anymore. Sad. So, okay. So it begins a little bit. I mean, it's, it's zany throughout, but the beginning, it's got a little bit more of a turn up the Zane, the Billy, the Zane, Billy Zane, two yeah. notches from Ocean's Eleven. We're talking fast. We're talking fast. We're cracking wise. We're walking. We're talking at the same time. We have the technology. Yeah. Hudson Hawk gets out of prison and his buddy, Tony. Tommy. Picks, Tommy. Danny Aiello. Picks him up. And they've got a repartee and they do Referred this- Referred to as glib later in the movie, a glib repartee. Yeah. They do this job together and- before even they do the job, they're constantly quizzing each other on the length of songs. Mm-hmm. Mostly Sinatra, Big Band era Yeah, songs. like crooner songs. And he's like, two minutes, 41 seconds, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And Some so, of the length of the songs, I'm like, these songs didn't crack five minutes. <laughs> you would say five minutes. I'm like, these songs were two minutes and 45 seconds at best. Well, the one he was like, Whitney Houston, Star Spangled Banner, Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, seven minutes, 17 seconds. And then he's like, you're lying. And he, he doesn't answer. And I'm like, is he lying? <laughs> Are we counting applause break? I don't know. <laughs> Because that is one of the best Star Spangled Banners of all time, but it's also one of the best because she doesn't stretch it out too much. Like, is it? She I could. thought she does stretch it out for a while. If I remember correctly, and uh, she maybe maybe this is not maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. She's in the, the, the Star Spangled suit. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that was by today's standards at least pretty conservatively melismatic. I thought the joke about that one was that it was well done, but long. I remember on mm. The Simpsons, they go to a baseball game and Bleeding Gums be. Murphy sings the Star Spangled Banner and there's a <laughs> clock behind him and they all like get tired. Oh. And I feel like the joke is they're making oh, fun of Whitney. <laughs> can you, I say, can you see? Yeah, that's, I feel like the joke of the sort of overused joke of Whitney Houston was that it was a long version of Star Spangled Well, we're going to look it up. Hold on. Oh, we're actually going to look it up. Chrome. 14 minutes, 16 seconds. Duration. What we got time-wise? 335, bitch. Mm-hmm. Find a rando. Find like a teen who won a contest. Oh, you mean compared? Well, he yeah. said 7 minutes, 17 seconds. I know. Seconds. I mean, oh. I feel like that was a joke. That's why Dina Yale goes, you're lying. Here's Jack Black's 142. She, just, she doubled it. Well, this was a stupid Google. <laughs> I don't think there are many smart Googles. Most people aren't looking up, hey, Google. The uh, chemical weight of of elements. They're looking up random pop culture moments. Uh, there is something to be said for just not knowing. <laughs> Moving on with your life. Why are they so obsessed with selling spatulas? They're obsessed with selling spatulas. Reindeer goat cheese pizza is another th- joke that keeps getting played. Some of the weaker jokes in this, I feel like, only are relying on randomness rather than actually yeah. being a joke. Yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, Frank wacky. Salone says that at some point. He's like... The head of the Mario Brothers mob. 
Like which, from Nintendo, but he doesn't get it. He does. He never says anything about it. That's one of my favorite non-jokes is that he never played Nintendo, so he doesn't think to make fun of them for he that. He doesn't get it. But he he says, don't tell me you're going straight and going to sell spatulas. And then later on... Go, you're going to open a hardware store. store and sell store spatulas, spatulas, which is not the thing that they really sell no. at hardware stores. No, absolutely not. I can't tell you why they're obsessed with it. But okay. let me tell you, when you get the laughs, you just keep going for the jugular. You know what I mean? You want to do it 13 times. The rule of 13. The rule of 13. So <laughs> you also want to do this hand motion. Just keep on, keep on doing it. Okay, so second question. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you no. questions about this movie. All mine are quotes, so. This is going to be Lord of the Rings trilogy style. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you about the Hudson Hawk lore. So Danny Aiello's character, when he came from the Undying Lands, yes. Kieran the shipwright gave him the Ring of Fire, one of the three elven okay. rings. Okay. And that's why he's able to kindle the heart of Hudson Hawk and Andy okay. McDowell throughout the, the story. It's not just literal fire. Sometimes it's a metaphorical fire. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so like Richard E. Grant, the Inortorius, uh, yes. R.E.G., is actually just the Melgathor, the <laughs> Satan god, peeking through into our world in mm -hmm. human form. I mean, it's Melkor, but yeah. <laughs> so, I was just making up a word and I was so close. Glarbenstein. Glarbenstein. <laughs> Oh, okay. it's Glarbin because they changed their name at Ellis Island. Question number three. Let's yeah, say. you're right. No, you're doing good. That's the third question. Why, if you were burgling, yeah. would you shout at the top <laughs> of your lungs throughout the entire thing? Shout and sing, and sing. At, at the top of your the lungs. Si the singing I'm going to excuse because it set up a premise. So they were, I started talking about this and then I we got sidetracked. But so he's constantly recounting the time of songs and then... He, they use it in a burglary because they only have... That's how they keep time. That's how they keep time while they're apart. Instead of synchronizing watches, they just sing the song to e each other, to themselves. How did this land with you? This is... I feel like this is... Do people like this or do people not like it? I liked it. I, I would say I liked it and I thought it was kind of fun. They also only do it twice. They only do it twice. I don't think they overused it. It would make sense because it's like... it's. It's quirky, mm -hmm. and, and it's like they clearly know these songs really well. Mm -hmm. Danny Aiello has a great voice. He does. Bruce Willis also sang. <laughs> hey, to Bruce's credit, he did not play harmonica. He didn't. And we are all... What was his fucking persona when he would play harmonica? The boxcars. It's something... No, it's the... something... Bruno. Bruno. That's it. It's Bruno. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Bruno. <laughs> so... Yeah, so they time it, and then they come back together when they got the horse MacGuffin. And one of our mini singing. MacGuffins. The, the MacGuffins don't last long in this movie. One of our many mini MacGuffins. They're singing it. That's like the kind of climax of the moment. And then, of course, they get caught. And mm -hmm, because they, they've been singing. Because they've been singing instead of And their video attention. recording scheme doesn't work. No, it doesn't because the guards startle the sleeping guard who's in a chair. And the way they startle him is they speak to him through the camera, through the speakers, and it startles him, so his chair immediately breaks, which is just physics. <laughs> and so they notice later. You always want to whisper around souffles and chairs. <laughs> and blue chairs. I'm always distracted because that chair seems out of place anyway. It seems like, would yeah. that, is that a is piece? That a piece? It looks is that like an a actual piece. exhibit? But why would it just be on the ground? Why wouldn't it be on a podium of some kind? Yeah. A I dais, even. They did say, I thought that blue chair broke or something yeah. like that. So they know that it's a specific blue chair. That's I think that was the right. idea. But Lauren, at this point, says, this fucking around they're doing is stressing <laughs> me out. Because they're constantly just like goofing. Yeah. Which can, They're lovable cat burglars. It's kind of 
fun. It's I didn't know at this moment how silly we were going to go. Mm-hmm. So this seemed like, okay, this is pushing it a little bit, but it's fun and they're goofy. And if it had stayed at this tone, I think I would have it would have been more my speed. Okay. But this is about the limit because <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not supposed to be realistic, but it's also like right. it's a little realistic. You know what I mean? You're still sort of living. We're not doing like clouds in the shape of Bruce Willis as he like <laughs> leaves kind of vibe. So or he's like walking over a nothing and he realizes he only falls when he realizes he's, yeah. he's up in mid- midair. Yeah, I mean, I did notice now watching with fresh eyes. I'm going to say that 600 times. I've now latched onto it. I was joking that I was going to say it, but now I can already tell my brain is like, got it locked and loaded, sir. Whenever you're ready, this is going to be the pastiche of this episode. episode. That, yeah, it does sort of creep up the zane. I mean, the ribbing and the jibes, the japes and jibes Mm -hmm. are throughout the movie, but the zaniness just keeps amping up. Yeah. Like even the prison scenes are sort of played pretty straight. And then it just keeps going up almost uh, like a, I mean, this is even pre Pulp Fiction. Like it's getting into the jokey one-liners, like keep referencing pop culture. It's bordering on that Japes and Jeff. This isn't even a sentence. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. Next question. Next question. Will Morgoth ever return? Great question. Yes. At the end of Middle Earth, when Middle Earth is destroyed, he comes back along with Kit Kat from... David Crusoe's character. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll get to that. Actually, let's go there because that's not my next question, but I think that's a good question. So the kind of teams in this movie are like Hudson Hawk. Yep. And Tommy, who it seems like is double crossing him for a minute, but he's actually not. We find out later that Tommy is probably the one who put him up for this job. Yeah, but he gets kind of tricked into it. Right. He didn't think it would be this crazy thing. And it does seem like a moment he's going to shoot him, but then yeah, they fake Tommy's death and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that coming. Mm-hmm. And because he had mentioned ketchup earlier. and then, He loves, it was, they had such bad ketchup in prison. Yeah. So they fake Tommy's getting shot and then he's got bloody chest and it's ketchup. So we've got them. We've got Andy McDowell who plays a <laughs> an Italian nun. I mean, she's playing an American, but the script... Her name is what, Anna? Her name is Dottoressa Anna Baragli, is how she is dressed. She is a nun working for the Vatican. Yeah. But she is kind of undercover. Yes. Playing someone who works for the Vatican, well, but I on think a less d- official capacity. I think she does work for the Vatican as like one of their art historians, but she is also a nun. A nun working. But she is also a spy, perhaps? Yeah. But she's the love interest and... Was supposed to be this. We talked about this in the intro. Was supposed to be played by Isabella Rossellini, which would have famously been, Italian woman, a much more Italian person, <laughs> which would have probably been better. At least would have made more sense in the moment. But I'm also very glad that they did not ask for or allow Indy, Andy McDowell <laughs> to try an Italian accent. And then have to dub over her with Glenn Close doing an Italian (laughs) accent. I did talk to Tyler and Lauren were asking me because Tyler brought up that one of his friends hates Andy McDowell. And I'm like, yes, people do not like Andy McDowell. You're like, yes, me. (laughs) He said, why is that? I'm like, well, I mean, in the 90s, she was kind of popping up in everything. a A lot of stuff. It's very easy in the 2000s where she's sort of Entered into this elder statesman, I'll do your magic Mike XXL, but... Maid. She's great. I'll do that. mom and maid. 
Oh, yeah. And she was in, what was that movie where, you know, people uh, were shooting people and it was a hunt through the house? House Hunt. Ready or Not. I think ah. it was called Ready or Not. I was thinking of Mouse Hunt. <laughs> she played Christopher Walken. She played uh, Stuart Little. But she was very prominent in the 90s and it feels very petty to bring it up now. But when someone who is not a good actor is suddenly popping up in a bazillion things... In the 90s, it can be very frustrating if you're not jiving with him. Like me and Leonardo DiCaprio since 1997. It's like the backlash against the female-led Ghostbusters movie. You're like, you're not completely wrong, <laughs> but I don't want to agree with you. Please do not lump me in with them. Because there's probably some misogyny in the fact that Andy McDowell gets shit on, but also, she's not great. I think this is Okay. She does all right. There are a few stiff moments in here, but she has a few good lines. She gets a few jokey lines. I think she does have some comic timing and it pays off in this movie. Yeah. And I think she doesn't have to be... um, But the Southern accent is like, it waxes and wanes with the, you know, phases of the moon, which in retrospect, I now find charming, but was not charming at the time. Yeah. I wonder though, do you think it was a Kevin Costner situation where she's like, Hudson, uh, I love you so much. Uh, and they're like, Andy. Then she goes down a green pipe. Cut. That was great. Let's take lunch. <laughs> or do you and think, rework your entire character. Or do you think they just, she just did I think it. they were just like, well, Isabella Rosalina got pregnant. Let's get this woman with black hair in here. And that's fine. We shoot starting mm, five minutes ago. So her last, her last name is only said twice. Don't bother rewriting anything. <laughs> okay, so we talked about Andy McDowell. Let's talk about the... CIA. So there's another of the bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, we were in the middle of, of saying that. You so, were st- stating the teams. We've got Hudson Hawk and Tommy Five Tone. Yeah. We've got Andy McDowell and the Mysterious Vatican Organization. Yes. Which they mentioned. The, the oh. MVO. <laughs> yeah. And now we have the CIA, which may or may not be trying to uh, double cross either Hudson Hawk or the Mayflowers, who we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. So the CIA is the most confusing group because... When you picture the CIA, mm. you think agents, what do you think of? guys, and I mean, I also always confuse the FBI and CIA. I feel like in my mind, CIA is FBI but secret. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think it is more spies, more international than FBI. Would yeah. Be. But this is like a biker gang with, <laughs> they have candy bar themed names and candy bar themed appetites. So the guy named Butterfinger is actually eating a Butterfinger right. in more than one moment. And I don't- Well, do you want to be called, you know, a fucking Charleston Chew and you don't like Charleston Chew? You have an allergy to raisins or whatever? Like you could call me chocolate chip cookie because I love chocolate chip cookies, but- I do I have had, to eat them every time I'm I want to? Yeah. Got to have them poking out of my pocket? Yeah. Mm, I could go for a chocolate chip cookie right now. See? You did. You got me there. And you'd be wearing brown and beige uh, suits. Like black, black pockets on like a brown <laughs> shirt. Yeah. That was very weird. And they were like a like a skater gang vibe. To, they were like the terrifying people in Richard Oz. <laughs> the wheelers? The wheelers. Yeah. So James Coburn is like an old school CIA agent. And he's sort of got his group of underlings, which are supposed to be young CIA agents. And he keeps making jokes about how they're so much younger than him during his introduction. You also have to remember this is just after the Berlin Wall fell so it's there's a little bit of a tinge of what does the CIA do now that communism isn't 
a threat anymore. And Russia will never Fair. be on our list of enemies ever again in the history of Should be fine. in the future history of America. So there is a little bit of like wistfulness. One of his charming characteristics is that he is wistful for the time of communism. He says, I love Rome. I did my first barehanded strangulation here. But he does have all these young punks, as he calls them, in his stead. They don't look like a biker gang, though. They're all very well-dressed and... Well-dressed in that they're, like, wackily costumed. Well, they're not, like... like they're not, like, the big, dressed like it's their capital city in the Hunger Games. They're just... The Chip Shrek guy looks like a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> He's, like, wearing yellow... I think that's just what he looks like. They're dressed like crazy. The one guy paints himself like a statue. Oh, yeah, Kit Kat. Kit Kat, who's... Kit Kat is the only one who's never dressed as a Kit Kat, except for his first scene, because he's always matching someone else in the scene. Yeah. He's matching their costume. Again, having watched this with fresh eyes, I don't understand why he does that. He also is mute. He hands people cards that say a lot of different things. Mm, Times New Roman is his choice font. Except his last card is in Courier New and it always bothered me. Like, why would he have that one ready to go? It is when he's dying, so maybe he has some hastily typed up cards that he can... Like he just (laughs) typed that while he was dying? (laughs) Maybe he has like a label maker. (laughs) Then you have to cut it. Yeah. They get the little button. Yeah. Yes, Butterfinger is a large man. He looks like Hulkamania, but I think that's what he looks like. But I'm thinking also of Almond Joy, who is just dressed, natally dressed woman who is wearing blue, red, and white at all times. Just using and then glow Snickers, darts. And then Snickers is dressed somewhat like a then you have suited man. Tw- like twins dressed exactly alike. What they're not, they're not, they're not uh, seeing. Where are they from? They're a Mayflower. Iganook. What? I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. They're never with the CIA people. Okay. Maybe that's on you that you didn't catch that. You're probably right. I think this movie probably makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I think you it might be focusing ridiculous. too much on the plot. But go on. We have another, we have one other big player. Yeah. The Mayflowers, mm-hmm. which is, uh, they're a uh, couple. Yeah. Husband and wife. Possibly in a thruple with their own butler. And the dog. And the dog. Quadruple. Yeah. They're billionaires who are trying to just tank the world economy by... Like murderous billionaires. Yes. Absolutely. Ins- I mean, it, it's hard to believe that murder <laughs> that billionaires would just not care about the lives of, of poor people underneath them. That's a good point. And they're Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt. Yeah. I love the Mayflowers in this movie. They seem like they're having a good time. They're having a great time. I feel like they're chewing on and sucking the bones of every piece of scenery they can find. They're horned up in a very uncomfortable way. They have a terrible dog, which I love because I... I don't hate dogs. I love dogs. I hate terrible dog owners, and they seem like absolutely terrible dog owners. They take their dog everywhere. If you do this, stop it. Their dog is barking all the time and snarling at everyone. Their dog fucking sucks. And they don't recognize it, which makes them quintessential dog owners. Listen, if you're listening and you're that rare, unethical billionaire who also (laughs) owns a shitty dog, rethink your life. That's all. You're on notice. (laughs) Don't stop listening. Please fill out the survey. No, and also, could you become a patron? Become a patron and become like a real patron, not just... (laughs) Like that guy in Great Expectations. Their first appearance is in the auction mm-hmm. where Hudson has stolen the horse statue, but it's still there for some reason. So it gets, it even gets, he sees it get destroyed by the butler yeah. earlier. Because well, then... all they really want it for is the piece of the alchemy machine inside. Mm-hmm. So they break the statue, the butler breaks the statue. And, it's and then they a, have a, apparently a duplicate ready to go. Yeah, there's a 
what you call it? Not a duplicate. What's the word? What not duplicate? Forgery. So there's a forgery. <laughs> I love yeah. Richard E. Grant in this. He's wait, so Oh wait, okay. I, I was oh, explaining sorry. their first appearance. Sorry. So he comes in and is like, what did he say? A hundred hundred million clams. Yeah, and he's blah our notorious REG busts in. <laughs> and then Sandra Bernhardt comes in. One hundred million dollars and one, Waldo. And then she said, "Outbid by my own wife." And he says, "Kel Bomer." Kel Bomer. I did like that. And then they do a weird tongue dance. Yeah, they blah blah blah. (laughs) Please don't do that to me. (laughs) I think that is the point where Tyler said, "This is camp." (laughs) They are very campy. Shortly thereafter, sorry, you were gonna you were gonna talk more about. Richard E. Grant. Well, I think they're both fantastic. I mean, Richard E. Grant, he's enjoying a new peak in his career right now. He was in everyone's favorite, Rise of Skywalker. He was in everyone's other favorite, Saltburn. That was the one we all watched with our families over the holidays. <laughs> Wait, did you actually watch Saltburn with your family? No, just Lauren. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I did read, a friend of mine did that, and she posted about it and was like... <laughs> Everyone do that. I'm not going to tell you what the movie is about, but everyone do that. And stay till the end. Saltburn. I don't know. There's something so deranged about them. They're some of my favorite villains because they are really obnoxious when they're on screen, but they're also like really fun when they're on screen. Like I laugh at them a lot, but when they die, I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, you don't root for them. It's not that kind of thing. But they are a lot of fun when they are on screen. I agree with that. One of my favorite lines in this that I do work into casual conversation sometime when I get frustrated with someone, Iganuk, who report to the Mayflowers when they fail to track Hudson Hawk. Richard E. Grant is sort of dressing them down and says, I only asked you to watch the Hawk. I didn't ask you to teach our nation's children how to read, (laughs) which makes me laugh. Yeah. And then he says, I'll shoot you dead. And she does. Right. She shoots them he both says, in the head. Well, I guess we'll just have to kill them. And she shoots them. And he's like, oh, honey, I was just joking. And then they, and they laugh go, and laugh. Because <laughs> they're villains. Yeah. And he even says at one point, I am the villain. <laughs> which is pretty I'm good. so glad you said that because that is his first line that he says to Hudson Hawk directly is, what can I say? I'm the villain. He does this like crazy jokerish smile at one point. Hudson is tied up and Bruce Willis is like gives him this like smile back that's they cut right to it and it's <laughs> it's a pretty good. One of the running I guess it's kind of a running joke is that he can't do his presentations very well. He's a little bit mm. like sort of a parody of a Bond villain. Right. In that he's this wealthy guy, and why does he want to destroy the world economy? Who fucking cares? He's bored, yeah. And he keeps, every time he tries to give Hudson Hawk a job, he spins his chair around to show this big, like, presentation, and he always screws up in some way. And the first time, it's because some sexy photos of him and his (laughs) wife and Alfred have made it into the presentation. He says, damn photomat assholes, which makes me funny. It's funny to me because he's taking his photos to a photomat. And they're putting this presentation presentation together. together for him. And then later on, they're trying to get Hudson to break into the Louvre and Minerva, Sandra Bernhardt, who I keep wanting to call Sandra Bullock, different. She says, we want you to rob the Louvre in Paris. And Hudson Hawk goes, supposed to the Louvre in Wisconsin. And Richard E. Grant goes, shut up. You're going to make me lose my place. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes it seem like he also rehearses these presentations somewhere. I didn't notice. I noticed that line, but I didn't notice the recurring thing. That's pretty funny. Um, I will have to say they're probably... 
my nominees for Catherine O'Hara MVPs. Co 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 winners. Yes. Yeah. Um, let me get that oh, written on this piece, this pad that I won't be able to take home. <laughs> you can take that home. If you Why know would that. I take this whole pad home? Just rip the sheet out like you're a character using a phone book in a movie. How <gasps> dare you? That's public property, Marty McFly. You can't just tear. Someone else might need to call not just Emmett Brown, but any of the other thousands of Browns. Any of the two pages of ends you took out. <laughs> Bs, I guess, in this case. Shortly thereafter, there's a chase scene. A Hudson Hawk ends up in an ambulance. <laughs> Yes, this might be my nominee for the Sally Field Award, but go on. And he... This is the Mario Brothers, the yeah, mobsters okay. Please who explain were, what's going on, because I don't remember. the initial people who hired him. Frank Stallone. They're going to be knocked out of the story real, real quick. Yeah. After he kind of screws up... Wait, why have they kidnapped him? Hold on. Let me just play the movie real quick in my head. Oh, this is after the auction. After the auctioneer blows up and they say that auctioneer should be landing at LaGuardia any minute now. He's being transported by a Mario Brothers branded ambulance, which makes me wonder, does the mob brand their own ambulances or did this mob get their start creating a fleet of ambulances? That's like their laundromat. That's their lore. Yeah. That's their. That's the Silmarillion of <laughs> Hudson Hawk. Now, Plaginstadine is the Lord of the West. <laughs> you fool. They don't have a Lord in the West. They only have a steward. The Lord's line ended. It's like you're not even fucking paying attention. Can't wait till Rings of Power comes back. <laughs> four years. We're all, we all remember all the great moments from Rings of Power, like, and from... Bledenethor. This is a fun scene because he's being transported in an ambulance. He gets kicked out of that ambulance after he stabs one of the Mario brothers with a bunch of hypodermic needles into in the, the face. face. And at first he's tethered still to the ambulance and he's like going down the George, On a gurney, the George yeah. Washington Bridge, right? Yeah. I wonder this movie ran out of money. They're like filming all the sweetest spots in Rome and New York. I love this scene, one, because, again, it's campy. A woman throws a cigarette out of a window. Hudson Hawk catches it, takes a drag, and then complains that it's menthol and throws it away again. Still on the fucking gurney. And then this convertible drives up beside him. That's my favorite him, part. And this sort of very attractive woman, who may be ditzy, may not be the smartest woman, she goes, Hey, mister, are you going to die? <laughs> And Bruce Willis, rather than responding, just sort of smiles flirtatiously with her and then almost dies. Also, I want to bring back calling people Mr. Strangers. <laughs> hey, Mr. Uh, it's, it does bring a very 1950s vibe to it. And then eventually he has to go through a toll booth. He throws the exact change into the basket. The Mario Brothers ambulance just fucking explodes after it like slightly nudges up and against another car. He goes, Anthony, Mario. You okay? And this is funny because the ambulance is on fire. They're dead. I have another question for you. There is gore in this movie. It's very much an early 90s action movie in this regard and that there's at least two people whose heads literally explode. There are hypodermic needles in the face. We see someone who gets their neck sliced open. We even see a head come off, get sliced off by his own blades, mind you. We see a Minerva in the end. Sorry, folks, she gets covered in molten lead. Richard E. Grant gets electrocuted and also eventually ends up covered in molten lead. Gets the milky eye number. They do that. Which apparently, I don't know if that's true or not. In movies, everyone, whenever you're electrocuted, that's the first thing to go. Milky eye alert. How do you deal with the gore? You're gore averse. I don't, I don't care for gore 
a lot, but it doesn't, this didn't bother me. This okay. was less than your average Indiana Jones movie. True. As far as no visceral. It's like, it wasn't as visceral. No power as the of stuff Yahweh coming into people's heads. Yeah. I mean, there. you could argue that's kind of what happened to the Mayflowers at the end, but them covered in lead had very like end of Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of vibes. Yeah. But it well, wasn't It always even bothers the- me because like getting covered in something very hot is something visceral I can understand. I can't understand being killed by the Lord our God by because I opened the wrong box. But I can understand getting caramel on my on yes. my hand. I mean like Jesus fuck. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that wasn't the worst okay. thing. The worst thing that I can think of in the movie is in terms of like grossing me out was the thermos of spaghetti that the <laughs> the Italian guard at the Vatican at the Vatican Museum, yeah. just pours out spaghetti onto his plate. Spag bowl. <laughs> I want to take a quick a quick John into the problematic corner. Ooh. You wanna come with me? <sighs> Let's ride our gurneys. I know what's the... coming at the very right where the walls meet of the problematic corner and I'm not I'm telling you I'm not looking forward to it. All right, let's go into the problematic corner. Here we go. <sighs> okay. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Damon's got a problem, baby. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Let him know about it. Okay, so most start of- least problematic to problematic. Ooh, I don't I don't know if I can rank them. Let's see. Let's rank them. I'm sure that will go over well. This is like probably the the most uh, unfortunately the lowest on the I hate ranking problematic don't, don't things. Actually, I was just joking. Don't rank okay. them. I was like, I don't want to do that. Don't actually rank them. <laughs> the security guards at some point are going through the phone book and make a joke about Wong numbers, people with the last name Wong. That's yeah. That's just quick. It's stupid. The worst part of that, I would let it slide, I think, except they do the stereotypical Chinese music in the soundtrack after yeah. they do that joke. Yeah, yeah. Like if they hadn't done that joke, it'd be like, whatever. And then later... James Coburn is like doing martial arts and they play that music or some version. Some of some similar Japanese sounding music. Also, Minerva calls people guineas multiple times. Specifically Danny Aiello's character, yeah. but she says it a lot. That one I would say is probably problematic and I would probably edit it out of the movie, but yeah. I would also say that our villain is saying it. That's exactly right. I was going to say that, that it's like it's better in the sense of which character is saying it because we also got about an entire act of Bruce Willis using fat jokes against fucking the Tommy. fat jokes. The first act is like every joke seems to be a fat joke. I think that that's one that people want I'd say get over really quick and it's just like it's shitty and it's it's not even that it's shitty to the character, it's shitty to the actor and then and also any right. anybody watching as well that might feel some semblance of similarity to the character or the actor. Yeah. And it's just, we don't need to do that. And, it's, and also they God help you if your body shape is similar to Danny Aiello's. It also wasn't that, they weren't very yeah. funny. You can get away with a lot if it's funny. If it actually makes you laugh. Or it's in sort of like better context. But it was just, it, it was, they really leaned into it in a way that was like, Okay. okay, okay. And at first, like, it's the joke is that Danny Aiello has gained weight since he was last seen by Hudson Hawk right. in right. prison. Right. First, it's just like, oh, you've been expanding your. And he's like, don't say a fucking thing. I'm very sensitive about my fucking figure. He's like, I was about to say consciousness. 
which is kind of funny to me. But the jokes just keep then, coming. Now, if he had stopped after that, like when he he that. cuts the stereotypical cat burglar hole in the window, yeah. and he's like, "I better make it bigger." And then later, one of the guards, God help us, is also a larger man, and that guy is also used as comparison to Danny Aiello. Yeah. He's like, "I'm not as fat as that guard, am I?" And I'm like, "No, you're a slender reed compared to that guard." And it's like, "Okay, guys, we got it." Not to mention, that's the guard that breaks the chair when he's startled right, awake. Right. So yeah. it's like, oh, of course, because fat and people he, like, break chairs. He's trying to run after them. And, right. Yeah. There's also another fat guard in the Vatican that gets like trapped right. in the... Although I don't think he's used for laughs. He's Not just as a much. larger guy. Yeah. He just gets trapped by some poisonous gas that we never get an explanation as to what happens to you. If yeah. You're don't worry about it. What else is problematic? At the end, I don't understand this one at all. Ooh. Alfred, who is the butler. <laughs> this is very odd. He gets his throat or no he gets shot in the neck he yeah gets grazed by a bullet in the neck and he's got a bandage on so he's got a bandage across his neck when minerva when the plan goes awry when the gold machine starts exploding blah blah, blah he realizes like minerva and waldo are kaput yeah. and he sort of absconds away you think he's running away but then he comes back and he's put on stereotypical war paint yeah. on under his eyes which is very racist but also what? what? <laughs> the, no mention has been Nothing. made about Native Americans at all. It's just like he stepped away to come back and do war paint for this scene. And then he says, how? How? With his like, he can't speak as well. How? Yeah. Which, it Which makes it like, even more confusing because it's like, what did he? What did he? Did anyone does, catch I, that? I didn't, it was like, I got what he was doing, but I didn't understand why or what that had to do with anything and then immediately he's killed like <laughs> he's the one who gets his head chopped off okay so that was i think the last one i have yeah is actually let's go one of the worst ones which this is, is the absolute worst one which so hudson and anna yeah. are inside and they're hanging out after escaping from the vatican yeah and the cia the mtvia are waiting to get him and the big guy chip shrek's character butterfinger Zangief, butterfinger I just keep naming things that I don't know his name. I don't know what the CIA are trying to... Oh, I guess they're waiting for the handoff because this is the night that he steals the codex. That's right. So they're hanging out outside Anna's apartment waiting for him and Snickers, Almond Joy, and Butterfinger are waiting outside and Snickers and Almond Joy are like, what is taking so long? And then he just says... And then Butterfinger says, go ahead. You want me to rape him? And they say, no, but it's like, what? And then they hand him a copy of Green Eggs and Ham to read to himself. Yeah. This it's really such, weird. I don't know what that line is doing. I hate that line for obvious reasons. Yeah. It's, I'm like, why would that be the solution to anything? Why would the CIA guy want to rate people? It doesn't, why is that solving anything? It's just, uh, I hate it so much. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be just like one of those, whoa, <laughs> like out of left field. Yeah. That's crazy kind of jokes, but it's mm -hmm. just, it's bad. And again, you can temper it a little bit by saying he's a villain, but- you don't yeah. even know that yet in the movie. You're just like, why do these? Wait. Why did he say that? You yeah. don't really know. Th I think what we the do. It's, or... it's late enough. Okay. Movie. We, All right. We know Fair he's enough. Villain. He's villain like from the get go, as far as we're concerned. True. That's all I've got for problematic things. Well, I mean, there's like light misogyny throughout, just in the character yeah. treatments. Standard '90s misogyny. Yeah. This is really easy for me to say as the, the like the man, <laughs> but like it's almost not worth mentioning because it's like. <laughs> Movie made in this this era right. of differing qualities. I'm trying to think of, uh, there's standard stuff of like you hit like a girl. Anna is very much a damsel in distress, although she sort of subverts it at the end. At the end. Sorry, I got bored and saved myself. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, light misogyny. Gives right. up her 
career as a as a nun, not her, I guess. Which is more than a career. Like her <laughs> like life's dedication to for Hudson Hart. True. Love is love. Love is love. And also the Catholic Church, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. You're gonna be happy you gave up that job in a few years, Anna. I'm sorry, Catholic Church, did you just come into the problematic corner? <laughs> Do you want to fuck around so and find out? So full of yourself, so ready to make a point. <laughs> get out of here. All right, let's get out of the corner, though. Let's okay. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Damon's got a problem, baby. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Let him know about it. Why would it be in a separate room? It's downstairs. All rooms have corners. It's downstairs. <laughs> All I have left... Our quotes, and then I just wanted to talk about the TriStar logo because I was having such a good time just a few minutes ago. So, All right, well, do you want to save the TriStar logo for after <laughs> since it's completely only tangentially related to this yeah, yeah, and okay. mostly about Look Who's Talking? Yes, okay, go ahead. Also starring Bruce Willis. Let's not forget That's the right. voice of Bruce Willis. Neat. All right, I also have quotes. I'm just going to try and get the high-level things because I feel like, I feel like for me, at least, this is a very quotable movie. After they steal the horse statue, Hudson Hawk the next morning is trying to get a cappuccino at his bar. Dina Ayala says, oh, yes, the Sforza. It will be the prize object at Objet d'Equestrion, Horse Things, <laughs> which is the name of the exhibit. That was very good. The translation is what makes it. <laughs> oh, horse yeah. When things. he says horse things, it makes me laugh. And every when I was in France this year, yeah, I am bragging. Wow. Whenever I saw objet in my head, I went, objet d'equestrion. <laughs> yeah, I already said, hey, mister, you're going to die. That's pretty good. So at one point, you have this one takes some explanation, but it's funny Please. in the moment and would be good to quote. So at some point, Annie McDowell's character, Anna, is like kind of double crossing Hudson Hogg, because she's working for that fucking Vatican organization. The damn mysterious Vatican organization. Yeah. MVL. Yeah, the DMVL. <laughs> <laughs> and she gives Hudson Hawk a cappuccino, and she and it poisons him. It knocks him out. And then later, she's kind of back on his side, mm. and then he's like, I want to, how about a cappuccino? He's trying to like spend more time with her or stay over. And she's like, how about a cappuccino? And she's like, my machine's set up to make poison foam. <laughs> There was this part when we were watching that Lauren, she complained that they were making too much noise, as you said, yeah. during their thing. And then later in the movie, Sandra Bullock gets mad at Hudson Bernhardt. Hart. Oh, Sandra <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> These two women could be more different. Sandra Bernhardt gets mad at, at Hudson Hawk and she says, you cease to amaze me, convict. <laughs> and then Richard E. Grant says, haven't you ever seen like David Niven? Tiptoe in, tiptoe out, and Sandra Bernard goes, like a cat, one might say. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I hate to quote this character, but this Butterfinger at some point is talking to James Coburn's character, and I can't remember what he tells him to do. You go in, you talk to her, and then you get out. Assess the situation. <laughs> and he clearly has no idea, and he goes, you got it, coach. <laughs> And I love, I wish he did it more, but this is the first scene where he's calling him coach. Very good. <laughs> but I wish he had done it throughout because him calling him coach is very funny. He then goes into the room to let the Mayflowers know about the situation, finds out that the Mayflowers are double-crossing everyone, gets shot with a crossbow. Twice. A double crossbow for a double cross. Oh, <laughs> Alfred, you dry British madman. When Butterfinger is shot, he then goes out of the room again to let, hey, coach... I don't think the Mayflowers are on our side anymore, and then dies. 
It is very putty. It is very putty. It reminds me of in Beetlejuice when all the dead football players keep calling the <laughs> the lady. Yeah, coach. keep She's calling like, Juno. Coach. Stop calling me coach. He survived. That's pretty good. Okay, this one I, I've never actually picked up on, but this is a good sort of parody of action movies during the last heist when they're you know coming up on Castle Da Vinci. Hudson and Tommy are in the woods outside the castle, and Hudson's like, "Run on three. Tommy's like, why don't we just go now? He's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that. I don't know what I was doing, but I missed that one. Okay, so at one point, Minerva is threatening Anna. Yeah. So this is Sandra. She's about to kill her. Yeah. Sandra Bernhardt's character is threatening Andy McDowell's character, and she knows she's a nun, and she says, if you see the big guy, tell him he's a loser. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. Uh, She's crazy. There's also a scene, there's these paralyzing darts. This is also very James Bond, but Almond Joy has these paralyzing darts that he shoots through a little straw. And they only paralyze you for a short time. But then we find out that they sometimes have weird side effects with some people, which happens with Anna. She gets crazy stoned on them and she's just talking nonsense when she's supposed to be trying to help them put the crystal back together. And she's like, I'm not a very good damsel in a dress, am I? You must pay the rent, but I can't pay the rent. And then she's making dolphin Dolphin sounds. I like that a lot. I like it when people are stoned. I think it's funny. I think it's funny to me. One of my least favorite tropes. <laughs> Maybe this is as someone who has never done that. Uh, it's funny to me. This is not a good quote, but I could see you saying it because it's so bad. <laughs> Alfred at the end. Alfred throughout, this is the butler of the Mayflowers. He has like these knives that come out of his sleeves and so he's mm-hmm. always got like swords at the ready and at some point after the fight like Hudson Hawk uses it and he cuts off his own head and the first thing Hudson says is guess he won't be attending that hat convention in July <laughs> I feel like there are a zillion head jokes you can do why is it in July you could blow your top something like that you could do all these funny jokes and he just said you're not going to attend that hat convention in it's so wordy he's like stumbling over us like to get it out while I'm like he's already dead why are you going through <laughs> Who this are you saying that too <laughs> no reaction from anybody either it just moves on <laughs> time to go makes me think of Scott Pilgrim when he's like you'll be dust the cleaning oh, lady you used to <laughs> vegan used to be vegan and now you will be gone and then the character goes vegan vegan <laughs> There is, when they're starting the gold machine, Minerva, she climbs to the top and she screams. And it's a fun history joke, but it's also campy as fuck. But she screams, Eureka, motherfuckers! (laughs) I have one thing. I know I was making fun of dogs. I don't think I brought this, uh, dog owners and dogs. I don't think I brought this up. And you know how a lot of people who love animals, they get really sad when the dog dies in a movie. You know, yeah. it's that it's one of those things. I think there's even like does a, a database. Yeah. Does the dog die in this movie? This is probably the only I'm very much one of those people. I just want to say that I'm very much one of those people. I don't want to see a dog get hurt. Even just hearing the sound of like, hurt, I don't yeah. like hearing yeah. that either. Even in Manos, the Hands of Fate, that Mystery Science Theater movie, the dog, their dog dies in it. And even that movie, it's effective. I'm like, no, I don't like that. Mm. No, Manos, stop it. This is the only movie where I'm kind of happy that the dog dies in the end. This dog is, it's an evil dog. It's a terrible dog. 
And its owners are dead. You'd have to rehouse it. It's a whole Michigas. Don't bother. And the dog, uh, throughout the whole movie, the dog has been attacking people, biting people, snarling at people. But the only way you can sort of sedate it is Minerva has this tennis ball. And she's like, bunny, ball, ball, and throws a ball in the corner of their giant, expensive Mussolini building. But they've also installed at Castle Da Vinci one of those tennis serving machines, you know, just a box full of tennis balls, and it shoots them at you. During the finale when the only henchman left is the dog, which I also love. That's the last man standing of the Mayflowers is this dog. And it starts attacking Andy McDowell. Mauling her. Mauling her at the neck. Bruce Willis turns on the machine and says, Bunny, ball, ball. Shoots a ball into the dog's mouth and it spins backwards out the window. I love it. To be clear, we're not ever sure one way or the other. He might be okay. He might have landed... Danny Aiello survived? Yeah. It, I, okay, I like that bit, too. So we see Danny Aiello's character go over a cliff in a car, and the <laughs> car explodes, right. and the other people are dead. I believe even the car explodes before it hits anything. Yeah. One of my favorite tropes in movies. And then he comes back in the end, he's like, you know, singed, but otherwise okay. And they're like, how did you? And he's like, can you believe it? Airbags. Airbags. Can you fucking believe it? And they're like, okay. And then what about the explosion? And then the, I can't remember what he says. Sprinkler system Sprinkler set up in the back. System. Can you believe it? And they're like, yeah, I guess. I like that. I also, this reminded me of like Batman villains, because this is always a thing that I like in movies where there are goons, where there are hired goons. The Mayflowers have a set of goons, not only guarding the castle, but also they have scientists working yeah. the gold machine. And after the Mayflowers are killed, the scientists start fighting kind of Hudson Hawk and Anna. I'm like, why are you still in this? <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. But I I do love that. I feel like that's a trope of Bond movies and, and superhero movies yeah. as well. Yeah. You got to have the evil scientists. The evil scientists that are really committed to the cause of making a lot of gold. <laughs> do you want to go to the verdict? Yeah, please. Okay. Let's go. Okay. First of all, I want to nominate, not Minerva, I want to use their character names, Sandra Bernhardt and Richard E. Grant for the Reg. Catherine O'Hara, a joint award. Joint winners, both get half. I don't have a single scene, so I'll, I'll defer to your- I'll go with the Gurney scene. The Gurney chases stupid as hell, but <laughs> I don't have any non-stupid as hell scenes. So when I was a kid, mm. especially in late junior high, okay. early high school, yeah. I had a group of friends and any- class project where I was in the class with my friends and any class we could get away with it we would make a video I know your type go on and it was really fun and they were the stupidest fucking things <laughs> on the place of the, they had only the most tangential relation to whatever the subject was I remember we did a naked gun style retelling of the Count of Monte Cristo sure it had nothing to do with anything I remember my dad was in one <laughs> and I remember being surprised at how many takes it took him to do it he did great. It was a good sport. They were one of those things where we were having a great time, took it really seriously, and it was fucking awful, I'm sure. Everybody loved it. We always got AIDS because mm -hmm. everybody likes when you make silly videos. Yeah, they do. And sometimes there's a brooding nerd in the background like, it's obvious they didn't even read the <laughs> it's book. very obvious. And we didn't. <laughs> this, ha this movie has that energy mm -hmm. of those videos. So... I'm about, I want to say, 49% charmed by it, but mm -hmm. not quite. Your inner child is an idiot. This movie sucks. 
and I there were <laughs> there were elements of it that I enjoyed, but it is one of the most bonkers things I've seen in a long time. Now I would say there's elements of this that are crossover with like the burbs, mm-hmm. that kind of madcap energy, and I feel like that one goes the other way for me, where it's yeah. like got just enough, just this rooted one, enough in real life to just enough. I'm here for zany, and I think and there's something like a parody, like the Naked Gun or or something like that, where you can pull it off and sometimes be funny. This was like somewhere in between, too silly to be in that zone, and just really confusing at times, but not in a I don't get it way, but in a way, I don't think there's anything to get. Right. It's not intriguing. It's not curiosity inducing. It's just like, what? Okay. Like either you think this stupid thing we just did for fun is funny or you don't. Right. And I didn't. So Uh you're not an idiot. Get out of here. Get out of here with this. I have read reviews, contemporaneous reviews that had that same sort of complaint that it felt like you're watching people with a lot of inside jokes and you don't know what the joke (laughs) is. And it's like, okay, but... For the most part, there are problematic parts, especially that rape line fucking sucks. Yeah. If I could go back in time and just like snip just, it yeah, out, of it, out of there. it, yeah. would it be easy to just like slice it out? You wouldn't miss it. But otherwise, I would say, yes, my inner child was not an idiot. He's a genius. He's so smart. <laughs> it's still a little bit rougher than I remember watching it with critical eyes. But there is like a Looney Tunes energy to it that I like yeah. and connects with me. And I think it's just quotable enough that... I did compare it when we were sitting on the couch a little bit to The Big Lebowski in that trying to rehash the plot is a fool's errand. It's not the point. It's a hang movie, and if you're not feeling the hang, then you're not going to want to watch it. But if you're feeling the hang, is that a phrase people say, feeling the hang? Yeah, they say it a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah, say it just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Then then you're going to like it. I also, now that I'm thinking about it, you did the videos, but I would do, if I could get away with drawing something for a project. See? And I would always get an A because no one knows how long it takes to draw something. No one fucking knows. No one knew that we, uh, me and my friends, got a camera and hung out for an afternoon. <laughs> I did resent once that I was forced to make a video for a project Ooh, once. yeah. And I was tough. mad. <laughs> ah, because I'm pissed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I read War of the Worlds and I would be happy to do a drawing for it. <laughs> what do you think, everybody? Email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com you can text us or leave us a voicemail 615-576-0525 want to thank our friend russ weaver for the use of his song top two for ad music don't forget to fill out the survey survey please and if you want to become a patron of the show patreon.com slash you're an idiot we want to thank our current patrons including just cuz Lindsay halleck scalphosaurus josh frigo shit on the cartouche diesel phoenix tommy boy is damon's favorite movie Larissa Maestro. Travis Vance. The supreme ruler of this podcast. Dr. Uh, Malcolm's, uh, uh, there it is, heaving bosom. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. The elusive fan Grumpkin. Karen Curd. Jeremy T. Powlin. Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. Am I supposed to be putting T's in, in people's initials? I mean, if they, if they belong there. All right, fine. Dramatically placed hot dog. Zachary Hartley, who I believe I forced to watch Hudson Hawk when we were tweens. Oh. This one's for you. <laughs> Particle man. Bill Haynes. The hands of fate. How, we got a, you got a shout out earlier oh, yeah. in this movie. <laughs> and that's what you can get if you are a patron. David Mort. The Zesty. Beth Sermont. Heather Tuggle. His Honor the Mayor. James Taylor. T. Smith. See, you put a T in there. 
That's true, but that's also in their name. Jonathan Day. Caroline Amberson. Lindsay Nell. Thank you all very Thank much. You. Thank you. for supporting the show. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash you're no child's an idiot. The TriStar logo. Oh, the TriStar logo. It, yes, stick it, around for the TriStar logo. So I, I had a sudden recollection of a thing I only thought I remembered. I have not thought about this until you said this like, 10 minutes ago when we finished, like an hour and a half ago when we finished the movie. I remembered that for just, it might not be Look Who's Talking, it might just be Look Who's Talking 2, but for one of those two, I haven't seen the third, the TriStar logo, which if you don't remember it, is the one with the Pegasus. The horse is running, it sprouts wings, it flies over the TriStar words. But for one movie, as it's running and it's far in the distance, you hear, here I go. Here I come. Oh, now I have wings and I can fly. And it's just that time. It has nothing to do with anything. It's not a horse movie. It's a baby talking movie. I don't know why it's there. Why It's kind of like the Seinfeld, the one episode of Seinfeld where the theme song has lyrics. Easy to beat. Easy to beat. It's like, what? Did you hear that? Is everyone hearing what I'm hearing? Did it hearing? say easy to beat? <laughs> Why is the horse talking? You all hear the horse talking, right? I thought that was like a memory hold thing until <laughs> you, as you were saying it, I was like, I got wings and I'm going to fly. Your, your eyes blacked out and you were just on the floor. Your nose was bleeding. You were like, I've got wings and I'm going to fly. One eye went milky white. <laughs> all right. Now, can you do me a favor at the end of this episode? Can yeah. you pull up YouTube? Oh, yeah. And look this fucking thing up. Tristar logo talking horse. <laughs> what? Why? Is it Bruno? Do you think it's Bruce Willis? No, Why is he is... talking? No. No. You don't think Bruce Willis is doing a Mr. Ed? I'm not saying it sounds like Bruce Willis. I'm just trying to figure out why the fuck this is like this. Bruce Willis, voice of Mikey, was doing a Mr. Ed in imitation. Oh my god, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. All right.